0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store.
1: Let's take a look at a clip from Goodbye to All
2: That. Your marriage is over. Excuse me? Your marriage. It's over. No. What? And Annie would like for you to get your own place as soon as possible. What? And arrangements will be made, of course, for your daughter. Uh, responsibilities that have to be shared. You both work. So Annie needs for you to be flexible Annie, about Annie,
1: Annie, what is this?
3: I have a lawyer. Gus Menzies.
1: The guy from TV?
3: I know Gus.
1: The Gotta Call Gus
3: guy? He's very good.
1: W- wait a minute, wait. You have a lawyer? Hold on, Annie, are you serious? I mean, this is, this is crazy.
2: It's always hard to hear.
1: Don't you think that we should discuss this? No, no, it's not open to discussion.
2: No.
3: I want you to leave.
1: Why? What's happened? It's better for everybody why i mean don't you think we should try and no, find no. someone to 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 talk to about this or some kind no. of a? I i mean if you're we could get counseling i mean if you're really
3: i don't want to if you're
1: serious i don't understand are you that unhappy
2: you know we don't need to get into that right now now is not the time
1: now is not the time Please welcome this evening's guest moderator from IndieWire, Eric Cohn, and tonight's guests, writer-director Angus McLaughlin and actors Paul Schneider, Melanie Linsky, and Audrey Scott.
2: Gives you a pretty good idea of of, of the sort of setup for this movie. Uh, I want to uh, jump into this uh, with you, Angus, because, um, you know, you're not exactly what one might call a newcomer to the filmmaking business. I mean from Junebug to movies like Stone. You've been writing for a long time, you're also a playwright, so uh, this is your directorial debut. To put it frankly, what took so long?
0: Uh, gosh, what took so long? Well, finally I got a little luck, maybe. That's what I think it takes to get a movie made these days, particularly an independent film, any films. Um, a little grace actually finally happened and the right combination I had another project that we that I'd written that we couldn't get made because it was kind of big and so I wrote a script that I thought could actually be made It was mostly people in a room Um, and then I found some producers who um, agreed and then finally we found some money so
2: it's a very funny movie it's a very honest movie it's, uh, you know, in, in certain ways, I think, more liberated than a lot of studio versions of, of that uh, a premise of a, of a man and, and his wife sort of having a falling out. Uh, but from your perspective, I mean, what, what felt fresh about
0: this particular situation? Because
2: clearly there are versions of it that have been told before.
0: Well, one of the inspirations was a movie from the 70s called An Unmarried Woman, which was about a woman who was married, um, whose husband unceremoniously died you know, says I want to leave the marriage and she has a child and it's about her tr- going out dating again and standing on her feet and it was about 1978 or 79 and it was really about the women's movement and women's consciousness and how women had to, you know, sort of assume that they can have everything that a man can have and that they can stand on their own and not just be a, just a housewife. Or, And so I actually said, could you maybe do that with a man who somehow is unconscious and tell it from a man's perspective and how he doesn't know what's going on in his marriage and suddenly it falls apart and he gradually, through the movie, has to come to some kind of consciousness uh, through his relationships with these other women that he encounters and his daughter, played by Audrey. Uh,
2: What was was your way into sort of understanding the conundrum that your character faces, you know, being sort of blindsided by you know, his wife being unhappy.
1: Well, I feel relatively blindsided by life every day. And, um, as, so that wasn't necessarily a stretch. Um, I I mean, the, the script got to me, um, and and I did see a married and unmarried woman. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the script is so relative in a way, you know, like it's, I mean, like I, I, I feel like we all sort of feel like this. You know, I feel like we all um I, I feel like our relationship to our emotional sort of topography is is always surprising to us. I mean the, the way you're saying it sounds like there was like a real puzzle to uh, uh you know uh, to to solve. And the the reason I related so much to the um um to the script, although I've never been married, it just seemed like you know these are these are situations that we've all, in some way, shape, or form, have been in, and they were all fully realized characters, um, and you know, like Audrey said, I don't think her character was sort of oblivious at all. In fact, she she you know revealed to my character some of the some of what what it is that he was doing and the emotional impact of what it is that, you know like you know of those things. So. Um, each one of our characters, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Melanie, but each one of the characters i found when I read the script was sort of like fully realized. And there didn't, there, there wouldn't be that much inventing
2: that needed to be done. Right. No, I think you guys are pretty much on the same wavelength there. And, and Melanie, from, uh, for you, I mean, it seems like you often do play these sort of alienated characters who are, who are, you know, like, I mean, it, it's, it's a good thing. It's, a, it's something that a lot of people shy away from, but I, I think that it, you do it quite well. And, and there's something that's very interesting about this character in the sense that a lot of the journey that she goes through takes place off screen. So I wonder how much sort of uh, you had to bring to the table and, and, or that the two of you sort of had to collaborate in terms of fleshing out what happened there.
3: Yeah, I, um, we were lucky that we had a rehearsal period So Angus and Paul and I um, talked about it a lot and we had a whole history. And also I was very fortunate in that Paul and I have known each other for 10 years maybe? Like Like a really long time. So, (laughs) like a really long time. So we have a (laughs) history together already and we're very comfortable with each other. And uh, there was some stuff in the script that was a little frightening for me, some sort of emotional stuff, and I knew that I would have to really trust the other actor, and I knew that I could get mad at him, and it would be fine. Um, so there was a lot about it that felt that felt comfortable. And I don't know, I just... I go on sort of an emotional reaction I have um, when I read a script, and if I feel like there's something in me that's present and can be worked out or can service the story in some way, then I'll agree to do it. So it probably <laughs> doesn't say anything good about my state of mind <laughs> most of the time. I'm like, yes, I can be that damaged person, yes.
2: Well, Angus, I mean, uh, you've, you've put words and characters' for mouths for years, but was there anything that was surprising to you about the actual... Rehearsal process, you know, from a directing standpoint.
0: Um, no, not really. I've I've done a lot of theater, and I'm an actor myself, and was educated as an actor. So actually, the surprising thing is is how you don't get any rehearsal. I mean, we were lucky to have them for a few days before we started shooting, um, but on the days when we actually shot, because there's a lot of different characters that come in for and you know are not in the film for a long time. So these. Most of the actresses would come in for one or two days, and you would have no ch- chance to really rehearse. but I had a lot of discussions beforehand with all of the actors um, about you know who they were and what was coming from and because I'm an actor, I, I, I write for actors and I think like an actor, so I'm able to like, if, they're st- if they w- are struggling and say, well, I don't understand this or where did this come from, I can say, oh, it's because this happened, and I'm, I, I, I will make it up. But they came so incl- incredibly prepared, all of them, um, that, it, that it was easy, I mean, um, in a way.
2: Now, uh, we're gonna show a clip in just a second here, but I wanna ask a question about comedy. Uh, because it's, you know, it's not a situation that when you describe it to somebody necessarily inspires laughter. Uh, so so what, what's your sort of approach to, to writing humor around these kind of scenarios? I mean, Junebug was also a movie that, you know, wasn't overtly hilarious per se, but
0: there were a lot of funny moments as you went along. Well, they're the kind of, uh, I mean, I feel like life is like that. You know, I think life is funny and, and horrible at the same time. And they're the kind of films that I like the most that have both of them. And the kind of actors that I like the most who can, who can be incredib- incredibly real and, and, and funny at the same time. Uh, and uh, so comedy is a funny thing because if someone doesn't get it, uh, like read it off the page and doesn't understand it, there's no way to communicate that something could potentially be funny. Um and you're always kind of stepping off a cliff because it all comes just from your own inner sense of what's funny or what the rhythm might be right um but all of the actors seem to get it which was great and and even um even some of the roles that aren't funny like i think melanie is incredibly funny as anybody who watched two and a half men knows and but her role in this is mostly serious but there are some Parts that I, I think are really funny, just the way she does it and the way she the line reading, and um, that sensibility means that to me that an actor really really understands life in a certain way or shares an understanding of life that I have, and certainly Paul and um, Audrey have that too. Um, I mean, Audrey you know is kind of remarkable at her age. She's a real actor. There are a lot of children who can just kind of imitate, but she can really she's really there. Um, so again, a lot of it is the, um, is the act. Of course, we, and then we had Amy Sedaris. And she's like you know, a whirling termagant of comedy. And, uh, uh, and then, of course, and then it's the, what was interesting to me is how much you can construct in the editing process in terms of the rhythm of, of what's funny and what's not. So let's take
2: a look at a clip. I was so thrilled to find you
1: again. I mean, how long has it been since we dated? Like. 15 years? Uh, more, actually. Ow. Jesus. Whoa. Sorry. okay? Yeah. I Life, huh? Not myself. Um, uh, yeah, I saw on the, um, I saw on the, um, you've got big sons. <laughs> <laughs> just. Can you believe it? And, um, you have a little girl. I do. Uh, um, Edie. She's nine. Um. She's great. Who did you marry, Otto Wall? Annie, Nick Williams. Uh, I don't think you know her, um, and 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 we're not together.
2: Hmm. She beautiful?
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Are you recent? We divorced last fall. Well. B- 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 We're not actually divorced yet. Hmm. Wow, I've never said
2: that word before. Get used to it. See? Hilarious, isn't it? Real belly laughs. Uh, So, Paul, I mean, it's a a really simple two-shot, and yet I think we get a lot of different sort of ranges of emotion, just sort of with the... Sort of tics, facial tics, and stuff like that. I mean, how much of that just sort of happens? You know, are you thinking through a lot of those details, or <laughs> is it just sort of flow out of you? Uh,
1: everyone is mapped, and uh, forethought is given. And um, actually, the lemon thing was a <laughs> the lemon thing was mine. Um, but but uh, so that was that was acting. I, I didn't get lemon juice in my eye. Um, but, uh, but I thought that, I thought that's something that, that, that life might do to Otto, (laughs) you know, he's sort of like, you know, he bumps into life and life sort of bumps back. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, like I generally in, am uncomfortable
2: on film, so it's not a stretch. Um, Melanie, you've you've done a whole bunch of different kinds of styles of acting. I mean, most recently I saw you in a movie, the Sundance Film Festival called Happy Christmas, which I think was almost entirely improvised in certain ways. So, is there a particular mode that you feel like you're most comfortable with, or, I mean, do you like all these different styles?
3: I like doing a lot of different things. You know, it's just sort of more interesting when you get to mix it up, but. Honestly, my favourite way to work is the way that Angus works, which is where he, he's very clear about what he wants. He has a script that's in place. But if you feel like you might want to add something, you can talk about it and, you know, maybe that's appropriate. You have a lot of sort of creative freedom. You know, he's not the kind of director who's like, then you go to the cupboard and then you get this thing out and then on this line you walk over here. That's when I start to freak out a little bit. Um, so it's kind of the perfect balance of feeling like you're very safe with somebody, but also feeling like you can do whatever you want.
1: But, you know, he, he and other good directors and other good human beings are the kind of people who are going to um, allow people into the creative process, you know? I mean, we're all there to throw ideas around. It's a big brainstorming session. It's a collaborative event. You know, actors who feel like they have sole authorship of their performances are deluded um, because there's this thing called editing. And I studied editing in film school, and I turned bad performances into good ones. So it's hard, you know, when I hear actors talk about some kind of, you know, auteur feeling about a performance, um, I think that's ridiculous. But... I mean, what what happened on set here and what Angus brought to it was, you know, sometimes if an actor has an idea, you know, you throw them a take, you know, like throw throw them a few minutes, you know, you can just try out a take, try out an idea that you have, and what might happen is that, you know, that might not be a take that you use, but that actor feels included in the collaborative process. And he will work with you and for you, you know, all day every day because he feels included. Because he can make his presence known in a positive way. Now, if you don't include an actor or you don't include, you know, a team member, they might go ahead and make their presence known in a negative way and have a bad day and stay in their trailer and fight with you on every point that you make from then on out. So, you can, you know, you can either collaborate in a positive or negative way. But either way. Um, an actor is gonna, was gonna, you know, is gonna validate him or herself.
2: And Andre, you've done a lot of movies for somebody your age. What was it like for you to go through this collaborative experience?
4: Well, I had a great time making the movie and working with everybody was just amazing. And like, like Paul said, we do have some free reign over the characters, but they were nice to work with. And the characters themselves were fun to portray.
2: I want to ask you, Angus, about sort of uh, going from, you know, writing, let's say, more sort of multi layered stories to something like this where it really is, you know, you're talking about four or five major characters. Was there something, you know, liberating
0: about that process of sort of scaling down a bit? Um, I don't think it's, uh, I don't see it as very uh, particularly different from anything else. Uh, I will say, though, that the most satisfying thing about making the, about becoming a director was that you get to fully communicate your idea to the end of the process. Because you don't write a screenplay just to be read, you write it to be experienced somehow in time and space. And when you're just a screenwriter you give it to a director, you can have a wonderful experience like I did with Junebug with Phil Morrison, who was, you know, fantastic to work with and we saw things in the same way and I loved the way the film turned out. And then I've had other experiences where I didn't feel that. But because I think I, I, I am an actor myself, and I've directed on stage, I have an idea of how a scene should be played, and I want it, you know, I would love to see that done. And so then when I became the director, I could communicate that to the actors, and, and then finally also then construct it in the editing uh, facility later, so that, that you really, it's what you imagined finally happens. And um, again, if you're lucky, it comes out in a way that's pleasing.
2: So let's take a look at another clip from the movie.
4: You're getting divorced?
1: H- how did you hear that? I haven't even told anybody. Oh, that's
4: horrible! Horrible! Oh, I bet you're just stunned, right? I mean, so we don't have to talk about it. I mean, I am your boss, it's private. Yeah, well, I. You, know, well, you just think of yourself as the biggest loser ever, right? Well... Yeah, well, I don't want to scare you too badly, but divorce is hands down, the worst thing I ever went through in my entire life. Really? (laughs) Because no matter how horrible the marriage was...
1: I don't even think it was
4: that bad. Yeah, well, you know what? It's not as bad as what's ahead of you because at one time you thought there was love there, right? In your life. Well, you were wrong. Listen to me, okay? It's been five years and I still don't have a clue why it all went wrong, really. I mean, you're never going to really understand.
1: How did you get
4: through it? Oh, <laughs> do. No, I was suicidal for like a year and I didn't even know it. I was just drifting along, right? It took me forever to find a reason to live.
1: And and what was it? Just
4: so sorry for you. Oh, I can't tell you how sorry I am. Oh. Tell me you'll be okay. I'll Will be you okay. Be, yeah, you're yeah. be all right. Sure. Oh God, it's
1: awful. Thanks for your concern, Holly. I've got eight cats. Okay.
2: So, uh, we get to see a lot of stuff going on there. You know relying on Amy Sedaris to some degree, I think, to really deliver the the comedy in that scene is, is, is seems like a, a smart gamble on your part. But I'm thinking about, uh, you know, seeing her and, and, and Paul together in that scene and, and sort of how all of you guys seem to do projects that kind of hover on the edge of, let's say, the more mainstream side of things, but you're not... You're not doing a lot of big movies, Um, and I I wonder, you know, what sort of your relationship is and your feelings are about, you know, bigger opportunities and and more mainstream commercial projects, and, you know, is that something you've ever wanted to do, or do you prefer to do these kinds of smaller things?
0: Oh, I turned down a lot of work.
2: (laughs) All those those superhero movies?
0: I'm lucky that they let me in the building here today. I mean, I'm so fortunate that I got this done. Uh, uh, you know, I think there are some great big Hollywood movies and uh, you know, I, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm really sincere in saying that I feel so fortunate to be here with these people who I've admired their work and I got to work with them and, and got a film that got, actually got made. It's incredibly, it's just fortune. So uh, I have no idea what the future may bring, but um, uh, there are great, you know, people always say, I, I will say that when I wrote this script, I gave it to my agent and she said, nobody's gonna make this movie. It's kind, maybe if you lived in the 70s, you might get this kind of film made, but not now. And she was sort of saying that there are not a lot of large Hollywood movies that are really sort of about these kind of human stories. Um, and she's right, so. Um, that's a little too bad, but, you know, uh, there are, then there are some that get through and that make a lot of money, so.
2: And, Paul, you've also directed um, and, and acted in a wide range of projects, so do you relate to some of what Angus is talking about here? Well, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Um, I mean, in terms of, like, small or big, I mean, you know, a story is a story, and, and you know, if you feel strongly about wanting to be involved, and, I mean, I think there's a misperception about me, especially, um, you know, people talk about, like, I've, I've chosen well, or, like, the, you know, like, I, I, the, the projects I've picked, you know? I mean, I, and I don't, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I get scripts every now and again um, that I think are great and I would love to be involved in. And then I bust my ass auditioning and trying to get the projects, and most of the time I don't. Um, and so this idea that I've picked anything is kind of interesting. I mean, like, I certainly am discerning, and if anything, you know, the, the the one tool I have is the tool to say no to things I think are shitty. So, you know, so if I have any kind of resume, you know, any kind of quality to my resume, it's probably more because I've said no to things that I don't want to be in than yes to things that I do because, you know, I, I'm... I'm, I've got a couple of things working against me. One is that there aren't—you're uh, not seeing um, a lot of scripts coming at you that have financing, and then I have my taste, uh, which is uh, which is not like mainstream or not mainstream or big or small, but it's just uh, you know I, I like what I like, and it, it's not really based on anything besides just a really just a kind of a simple. Response to a to a script that I don't fully understand, um, and I don't feel there's any worth in
2: trying to figure it out. Well, Melanie, you you know, it, it sort of straddles this interesting line because you do you do Two and a Half Men, which is a very much a mainstream piece of entertainment, and then you now you, in the last few years you've been doing a lot of really interesting smaller indies. So I mean, what, what's it like sort of to be in those two places at once?
3: Um, it's a weird thing. I feel very grateful... First of all, I feel very grateful that Two and a Half Men let me out of my contract, so I'm not, like, owned by the show, so I can do independent movies. Um, that's a really nice thing. And it's it's also a weird thing, because I do feel like I live in two sort of different worlds. Like, people will because I'm not really on Two and a Half Men anymore, so I'll be recognized from that show, and people will be like, are you still acting? Like, what happened to you? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, Thank you for your concern. Um, But it's sort of an interesting thing, and like a lot of people, you know, I remember one time I was on the set of an indie movie and some extras were kind of talking, And the director was like, "What are they?" And I said, "You know, they said they recognized me from Two and a Half Men." And he was horrified. He was really upset. He was like, "I didn't know you were on a sitcom." And I was like, "Well, sorry. Um, I guess you wouldn't have given me the job. So I'm glad you didn't know." But it's just, yeah, it's weird to be in two different worlds. But you know, it's really hard to make a living in indie movies. So,
1: but it's funny. there's, There's if if you were on a show and now, like, a, like a, you know, a, on a big network, and now you're not, there's some perception that things went horribly wrong. And if you want to be involved with films, that your face has to be constantly pumped and splashed into, you know, into every media outlet, and the minute there's a dip there, I mean, heaven forbid, you don't want to be, you know, like, your, your image, like, sp- splashed all over the nation or in every media outlet. And it's funny because... Actually, maybe getting off of a, a television program is things going horribly right. And getting back to movies like Angus's film is like things going fantastically right. So I, I feel like our culture is definitely, uh, um, if, you're not, um, uh, if you're not constantly kind of like being shoved in people's faces, things
2: have, that, that it's something to be pitied when in fact I think it's something to be lauded. Well, we've covered a lot here, but I know there's probably some questions in the audience, so why don't we turn this to a and a
0: So you're talking about this, uh, the d- dramedy elements of the film. Can you talk about those moments when you might have been able to play it more comedically or more seriously and how you made decisions to do so or not, or did you try it both ways and then you had to make the decision, Angus, to keep it or not keep that performance?
1: The the words drama and comedy, I don't think enter into it. You know what I mean? Like you know, we, uh, I know for myself, uh, and I assume my coworkers feel the same. We're kind of just playing each situation, and it's the accumulation of those situations uh, that would create a category that that we're talking about. Um, I know that for Otto, Angus and I sort of uh, created parameters with which we feel like he might live and I'm trying to give him um, options, but those options are, are governed by uh, the, the character parameters that we've set, but also trying to respond uh, honestly with my, with my coworkers, you know? Because it, I've gotta listen to Audrey and what she's expressing to me, and listen to Melanie and what she's expressing to me, and if I'm thinking drama or comedy, well, I'm not listening. So, does that make sense?
3: I think that's a good answer.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: You talked about how tough it was making this film and that this kind of film would, would normally have been made during the 70s. How did you overcome that challenge? How did you make a 70s film now?
0: Um, well, uh, again, I'd have to say it's luck. You know, I mean, I, I, I finally found some producers who liked it enough to try to raised some money and then I finally talked some people uh, into g- giving us some money. Um, you know, and hopefully you, you have a little bit of a track record. I mean, I've, I've dined out on Junebug for now nine years. So, I mean, I'm sort of on the back of Phil Morrison and Amy Adams. I mean, uh, uh, their talent and their successes, I can say, well, look at this. You know, this, this is a good movie and, you know, Here's my new one. Will you at least read it? And that usually gets me in the door to be read. Um, and I have to say that the, two, the backers of this film, they knew that film and they loved it. So they were open to you know, maybe taking another chance.
3: Uh, this question is for the cast members. Um, what was it about the script and characters that attracted you to the film? I know uh, Mr. Schneider already touched on this a bit. I think for me, I just it's kind of what I was saying before. I just have to feel, just something weird happens to me when I read it and I just feel like there's something in here that I need to work with right now, I need to express. And I think I maybe was the first person who was attached to the movie and a couple of times I had conversations with Angus about um, playing another character, like another one of the women and I just couldn't see it like now i watch the movie and i'm like oh my god you know lara is so amazing debbie spangler is so amazing but at that time in my life where i was emotionally that this was the only role that i could see myself doing and it it was like really really cathartic and and good for me
4: Um, I have to agree with you on the little feeling that you get when you're reading about the character and when you're reading your parts of the script. Um, I really liked the character of Edie when I read the audition and when I read the parts of the script that I was given had my role in it, and I liked how some things about the character were similar to me, Mm -hmm. how some things sort of proposed a challenge, and I just, I loved it, so...
1: Uh, as far as approaching your backers are concerned, did you have any other material besides a script? I'm sorry, I couldn't did hear Did you use you. any other material besides
4: a script when you approached your backers? Or was it just your experience and the other work that you had done?
0: Um, yeah, mostly. And then just, you know, trying to, um, trying to convince people that this would be a good project. And um, um, I had no, there was no actors attached when I went to get money. Um, so it's not like I could say, look, Melanie Linsky and Audrey Scott and Paul Schneider and Heather Graham are going to be in it, uh, which a lot of times you do. One does, uh, uh, you know, attach actors and then that makes it very attractive. But this was just completely, you know, fishing, night fishing, where, you know, it's like here, you know, try to believe in it and uh, make that leap of faith.
4: On average, how many takes was it every day and uh, how many shooting days
0: did you have? I'm sorry? How many takes for each scene on average? uh, Uh, I think we had 21 days of filming, I think, over four weeks. um, And then we would have uh, maybe four, three or four takes, do you think? Do you remember? Um, not, Not a lot, but, you know, and everybody's always... I didn't feel we were really rushed, you know? I didn't feel... I think time is always relative. I know, I mean, I've never directed a film before, but I know in... In theater, everyone's always like, oh, if we could only have one more week of rehearsal, everyone always feels that, whether you have two weeks or six weeks. And this one, it would have been nice to have more time, but I didn't feel like we didn't get anything. And I certainly didn't feel from any of the performances like I really needed another day to get that out of Paul Schneider. You know, uh, I, never, I never had that I felt that way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys, thank all of you.